Um, tonight, what I want to talk to you guys about, and I wanted to do it on a Wednesday night, not a Sunday, is about the vision of the church. I'm going to give you scripture behind it and so forth also. It's, I'm going to put it into, into preaching, but I want to tell you about where we're going, what we're doing, and where I, where I see ourselves down the road. You, is that all right with you guys tonight? Awesome, awesome. I want to tell you first, so basically the title is Preparation for the Vision. Um, we are going to record this so we can get it out to others. We're not putting on Periscope tonight because this is more for, for us here. Um, but my definition of a vision, a vision is a dream you turn into reality. A dream that you turn into reality. It's something that, uh, a spiritual vision, the vision for the church is something that God has put on our heart. Um, I, I believe truly that each and every one of you need to have a vision. You need to have a vision for where God's calling you, where you want to go. Uh, you, you need to, as we'll be reading, that you have to write it down. You need to look at it daily. You need to begin to prepare yourself. You need to begin to say, this is the direction in which God has called me. This is the direction where I'm going. You need to begin to have that to look at and see if you're still following that direction. It's so easy to get off course. It's so easy in our own lives, in our spiritual lives, to want to get in a certain direction with Christ in our own ministry and to get off course and years later go, what happened? Where did I go? Where did I do wrong? But a vision, like I said, a vision is the dream you turn into reality. The dream of a desired future. It's not where we are, but it's where we desire to become or where we desire to go. It's not where we are now, but it's where we're going. Where we are in life, guys, and I got a bunch of stuff right now. I'm going to be reading a little bit tonight. Where we are in life comes from our vision or our lack thereof. Where we are in life comes from our vision or our lack thereof. It, it, where we are, we've either got big dreams or we've got none. And sometimes we have such big dreams that the enemy comes in and he tries to tell you it's too big. That'll never happen. You need to, um, to downsize your dreams. But let me tell you, if your dreams are to advance the kingdom of God, they can't be too big. They cannot be too big. I'm telling you that when God gives you a vision, he gives you a dream of where you're going, you need to grab a hold of that and you need to embrace it. Don't let the enemy come in and tell you that can't happen. That may have been happen, happened to this guy's ministry and that lady's ministry and this and that, but that can't happen to you. No, I'm telling you, God has big plans. But, but it's about our obedience. It's about us preparing. It's about us going forward in order to get there. A lot of times we, we want to say we have faith in God, but we never do any preparation to get there. I have faith in God, but you never take any action to step out and get to where God's calling you to. But we have to begin to do more. We have to begin to run forward with it. Maybe you say you had a vision, but never obtained it. Then it was just a dream. It was just a dream. Vision, and I heard this, this before, vision without action is a daydream. Vision without action is just a daydream. And action without vision is a nightmare. Action without vision is a nightmare. Because you know that if you don't have vision of where you're going and you begin to run in a direction and you have no idea where you're going, it will become a nightmare. And if you have a vision, but you never put any action to it, all it was was a daydream. It was nothing more. People wonder how they're in the, listen to this, guys. People wonder how they're in the same position year after year after year, and they never change. They never go forward. You need to have a, like I said, I'm going to tell you about our vision tonight, but I also want to speak on vision. 
vision for us in general, in the house, with us, where we're going, where you're going. People wonder why they're in the same position year after year after year. They never change. They never go forward. Just always the same. Because they never put any action behind it. Why don't understand why I'm still in this same mess? Because you've never stepped out of the mess that you're in. You have to begin to step out of something and into something new. You have to begin to... to Faith without works is dead. That you have to begin to apply something to get forward. You have to begin to do something more. I could have the greatest, biggest vision ever, but if I never put any action to it, I'll never get there. I have to begin to step out of my comfort zone and do something. I have to begin to write it down, to have a plan, to look at it and say, this is the direction in which I'm going and I will get there. And every year, you should be evaluating your own life and saying, am I getting to the vision which God has given me? Am I getting to that place? You should have a place in your spiritual walk and where you want to be next year. I don't have the faith for this this year, but you know what? My goal is to begin to build my faith up and strengthen myself that I'm there next year. That I want to look back year after year and go, wow, wow, I've come that far just in a year's time. I want to look to see that I've advanced, not gone backwards. Because let me tell you from experience, it's easy to go backwards. Do you know what happened? How you go backwards so easily is by not doing anything. You don't stand still. When you don't do anything, you're decreasing. You're going backwards. You have to continue to run forward. You have to continue to do more. I said, I have a vision in my spiritual life. That's even to get to a place of no doubt. You know, we can, say, we can say we have faith for anything, but let me tell you, you get to a place in your life that sometimes doubt begins to rise up. Sometimes you say, well, I have, we like to use the excuse, I have faith that God can do anything. I know that he can, but really in reality, we don't really know if he wants to. In reality, we wondered if he's going to come through. We need to get to a place as Jesus was. Jesus, anything that he did, he had faith and it happened. It always came to pass. You don't see him say that he grabbed the, the, the kid's food and he broke bread and he ran out of food. No, he came with a purpose to feed the people and he fed them. The will was done. That whatever he put his, his, his faith to, it happened. Whatever he began to run forward with, it happened. He didn't wonder, well, God, I wondered if this is really what you want to do. Do you really want to feed the poor? Yes, the scripture says to feed the poor. And if God has called us to do it, he'll provide for it. We have to begin to, to realize that. We have to begin to understand that if we're walking in the direction God has called us to, he will provide. When we get out of that will is when the doubt can begin to rise. But if you know that you're going where God has called you, you can begin to believe it. You can begin to stand on it. You can begin to run with it. I want to get to a place, not just that I know God can do anything, but where God is doing anything and everything in me and through me. I want to live by faith that changes this world. I don't want to live by faith that changes my life. I want to live by faith that changes this world, that does something greater. That I want to have a faith that, that truly moves and literally moves mountains if it needs to be moved. 
If there is something happening, I don't want to go, man, I really wish I could move it. I'm talking about a literal mountain. If there is a literal mountain there and it needs to be moved, that I can speak to that mountain and it will move. Why? Because God said that we can do it and we can begin to run forward with these things. This is where we need to get as a church. And just, I mean, we think, well, how can that happen? Because God made them. How much easier is it just to move it? Seriously, he made it. If we believe that God created all things with his bare hands, if he created just by speaking it, how much easier is it just to move it, to get rid of it if he needs to get rid of it? If there's a war coming to kill, kill the church, that we can rise up, even if we have no physical weapons, we can rise up and say, no, this will happen by my God, that you can begin to speak it and it'll happen. Us as a church has to get there. But we have to begin to have a vision. We have to begin to have a, a plan. We have to begin to write it down and get there. I'm telling you, year by year, if you, your New Year's resolution should be where you're going to be in Christ that year, where you're going to go and keep to it. Begin to run forward, begin to do more, begin to say, God, this is what I want to do, or God, this is what I want to do for you this year. This is where I want to go in you. I want to begin to have so much faith. I think about other countries that we have to build wells and we have to do all these things. That I mean, I thought about Jesus. He turned water into wine. Why can't we begin to speak to the polluted water and turn it into clean water? We begin to speak to it and allow it to become clean. Begin to do something greater. That we can duplicate food for individuals that are in need. Jesus did it. And so can we. We can begin to do more where miracles begin to take place instantly, where miracles become the norm. That's what the church was designed, where, where us as a body should be going out into the world. If we're supposed to be Christians, Christ-like, miracles should be the norm. In Jesus' ministry, miracles were the norm. It was normal for him to produce miracles, for things powerful to happen. It wasn't something where everybody goes, oh my gosh, the, the, the disciples were expecting it. Because that's what he did. I want to be able to do all he's called me to do without any hesitation. Without any hesitation. If God says, do this, I don't ask why. I don't ask how. That's our biggest, I think that's one of our biggest obstacles that holds us back into where God calls us. Is we ask, but How? God, you've called me to do this. You've called me to build this. You've called me to go here. You've, called, you, you've said this, but, but how? I've learned to stop asking how. Why? Because I've realized he's not going to answer the how. He's not going to answer the how because if he answered the how, then we wouldn't have to live by faith. He's called us to live by faith, not by sight. And if, we, if he answered the how, we'd be living by sight. We'd be living because we know what was going to take place. I've even stopped trying to figure it out. I've stopped trying to figure it out, how he's going to do it. Because I've realized that if I try to figure it out, that's not the way it's ever going to happen. It never happens the way that you think it's going to happen. God always surprises you. But guys, we must have a vision of where we're going or we'll never get there. We all need to be running in the same direction. I, I, I was thinking... I, about this building here. It used to be a body shop. 
You can still tell it from the outside, but from the inside you come in and it's completely different. Why? Because there's a vision to start a ministry. And I love it. God had spoke to me to, to start a gym. He said, start a gym and that will be, that will be what I use to start your ministry, to help, help launch your ministry. I had no idea how. I had no idea what he was talking about. But what I did is I said, okay. Why? Because there was a vision ahead. There was a vision of the ministry. And here's what, what's neat about the vision. is God will begin to speak stuff to you. You have a vision of something, but it's like a mountain in a far ways. You can begin to see something out there, but it's not very clear what's on it. You, you know there's something there, and as you begin to get closer to the vision, the more clearly it becomes to you. The more of it you begin to see, the more your eyes are open to, to how it should be. And it's the same way with running towards the vision. You know, I couldn't see it. It looked impossible, but I said, okay, God. As the vision goes, more of the vision was revealed, and it continues to get revealed. Start with the basics. Start with part of it. Get it down. The book of Habakkuk, it starts out, you can turn there in chapter one. It starts out by, by him crying out to God. He says, oh Lord, in verse two, oh Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? He says, even cry out to you violence and you will not save. He says, why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see the trouble? He says, for plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgments proceeds. He goes on and on and on and on and on saying, look what's all around. I see a need, God, but why would you put this need here and allow me to see it? But, but what do I need to do next, God? He's crying out, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear me. And it goes on in chapter two. It says, the Lord answered him and said, write the vision. Write the, he's crying out to God, look what all is happening, God. Look at this world. Look what's happening all around me, Lord. How do I get people on board with running forward? How do I get them to see it too? How do I get them to understand this isn't the way it needs to be? We've got to change this. We've got to go forward. And Jesus says, write the vision. He says, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. That it needs to be clearly not just for others, but for you. You need to begin to see that daily and go, this is the vision. This is where God's calling me. This is where I'm going to go. This is what I'm going to do. It says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. He said, behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith that it will come. Sometimes we look at the vision and we're saying, God, is it ever going to come? God, I've been running towards it. I've been doing what you said. He said, but it will come. It will happen. But we have to begin to stand out and run towards it. And let me tell you, the enemy tries to cloud your vision. He tries to put things in the way when you're back behind, 
When, when you're far back and you see that mountain in the distance, you know that's the goal. You know that's where you've got to go. It's not too clear, but let me tell you, you can be driving down the road seeing that mountain, and next thing you know, there's a big 18-wheeler that comes in front and begins to cloud the vision. Begin something. The enemy tries to cloud the vision to get you off course and to get you off track, but God wants you to continue to run to where he's calling you to. Continue to go forward, no matter what it may look at this very instance. You may say, I can't even see it anymore. But let me tell you, it's still there. It's still there no matter what has come to try to cloud it. Just allow it to get out of the way. You might have to speed up a little bit so you can begin to see it. You might have to accelerate some and do something more and run faster so you can begin to see what God has, what more there is. Like I said, he saw a problem. He asked God how to fix it. He saw total destruction. But God just said, to fix the problem, let's start with writing it down. Could you imagine you're asking God, how do we do this? And he says, write it down. Are you kidding me? That wasn't the answer I was looking for, God. You're telling me to write it down. I think a lot of people anymore, we've got a problem that we don't write things down anymore. We don't write it down We've gotten so used to electronics and everything else that, that we just take writing things down, for example. But there's something in us that has been designed to write it down and to see it, to begin to look at it in front of us, that, that we begin to take hold of it. We begin to be a part of it and do something great with it. But our vision here in the house starts out with winning the lost in discipleship. Winning the lost. That, that my heart more than anything I love you all. I know all of you here, you're not lost. But let me tell you, my heart is to win the lost. But in order to win the lost, I can't do it by myself. So I understand the concept of discipleship, of helping others in their ministry, of helping build up others so that we can go out and win the lost. But, but everybody has different giftings in that, different visions of their own ministry, different things where God's calling them. If we all are out on the streets and we're all winning the lost, there needs to be somebody back discipling those to get them ready to go out, to get them understanding, get them growing, that there's so many different aspects of it, but it all boils down to winning the lost. All of it does. Because when we're discipling and we're building people up to get closer to God, we're doing that for, so they can get closer, but so they can also go out and win the lost. So they can do something more to advance the kingdom of God. Because he said to go out and make disciples. You know, I, I see us with, and I'm going to go into a, a larger picture. I, see us, I do see us with multiple locations. With building up disciples in each house. I see this with a training center to train people to use their gifts, to train people to use their gifts, that we have a specific area that what it is that we have gifted individuals that can train people to use their gifts, that even those that don't know where their gifts is, they help them develop their gifts. They help bring out the gifts that God has given them to begin to do something more. Then where we're equipping them to go out. I see us with a house of deliverance, discipleship, and equipping. A house where it's about one man and that man being God. About God and God alone. That it's not about members, it's not about us, it's not about preachers, it's not about any of this, it's about God. That, that we look towards God in everything that we do. That, that when we're building 
the body, when we're building even the, the church with people, we're not looking at how many members we have. I want to look at how many lives have been transformed. How many lives have, if we're just building a place to build pe- more people, that isn't Christianity. That isn't the church. That, that I want to see transformations. I want to see people that come in and they leave and people on the streets go, who is this person? I want to see, and I truly believe it will happen, that I want to see souls change to Paul. I want to see people that come into the house of God and they experience something so real that their life is changed forever. That it's so drastically changed and they find something so real that they can't go back to their old ways. That they are a new creature in him. I'm not looking for people to say a prayer. I'm looking for transformations. I want something real to happen and to take place inside of them. Something more, something greater. I don't don't want the house to ever be about a certain preacher. But I want it to be about the presence of God that's so strong that no matter who speaks, the power is in it and it moves lives. That that people come into the house. And this is what people have made it, not the pastor's. But so often they come in to hear a certain man. Well, well, the pastor's not there today. I guess I'm not going. No, but that, that the presence of God is in the house so strong that they come in just to sit in the presence of God. That they come in to, to get equipped. They, they come in to get filled up. Let me tell you, I, I remember when I was getting, got back in with the Lord, when I had walked away and came back, that... And a lot of it has to do with not being in here enough. But I remember Wednesday and Sunday, it was Tuesday and Sunday there, but it didn't come quick enough. Because by the time, especially if I missed that midweek service, from Sunday to Sunday was the longest time of my life. And it's still that way. I mean, today, we, there's something about getting together in the presence of God with fellow brothers and sisters, that we come together when two or three are gathered together. There he is. That there's something about coming together in his presence and worshiping him, doing something greater, doing something more. But like I said, where the power is so strong that individuals don't even realize there's somebody different speaking. That, that, there's, that it doesn't matter who it is, but it's all about God. That people aren't wrapped up in one speaker, but they're wrapped up in power and anointing and the God in his presence. They're wrapped up in something so much more. I want programs that allow individuals to learn and be comfortable preaching and comfortable fulfilling the vision that God has for them. I think so many individuals never fulfill the vision is because they're not comfortable stepping out. It shouldn't be all about programs, but sometimes we need a, an extra push. Sometimes we need something to get us out there. Sometimes we need the pastor saying, hey, come and do this men's meeting. <laughs> sometimes, but sometimes that's what we need. We need a push. But here's the great thing about being in a, in a body of, of believers, that sometimes it's a person next to you helping to push you. You need somebody you can turn to and you can say, this is what's on my heart. This is what I feel God telling me to do, but I don't know where to start. I'm too nervous to do this. You need somebody saying, you can do this. You need somebody pushing you along. You need somebody helping you. You need someone helping you to develop this, to do more. That's why it's called discipleship. Discipling people. 
what Jesus was discipling individuals. He was telling when they messed up, when they'd argue about who was the greatest of them. He didn't say, oh, you heathens, get out of here. <laughs> no, he loved them. He continued mentoring them. He continued pouring himself out in them. And as fellow believers, as all of us today, we should have people we're discipling. We should, be, we should be receiving and being like a flowing river that we receive and we continue to pour out. We continue to do more. We continue to fill individuals up. We continue to do what God has called us to be. A lot of times a vision isn't fulfilled because the individual doesn't know where to go next. The individual doesn't know where to go next. They see the vision, but they're stuck. This is where I see us jumping in to help. I don't know it all, but I believe as we continue to grow, as the vision continues to, to play out, as it continues to come to pass, that God will develop more people for this. That God will bring in more people, whatever it takes, that God will have his hand on this. I, I'm not telling you what I see that I can do. I'm telling you what God has put on my heart for us to do. There's a difference. So don't say, wow, he can do all that. No, a lot of this I can't. Maybe God will use me for some of this. Maybe I won't be the one to do any of this. I don't know. But all I know is I see where God's calling us and what he's doing, what he wants us to do. Helping individuals get out of their comfort zones and preach the gospel to the ends of the world. Why? Because that's what he's called us to do. I see a place of rehabilitation for individuals to get out of their normal environment to grow in the Lord than place in ministry or back in the world after strengthened. And let me give you an example of this. We see so many drug addicts come into this house, get delivered, and then go back. They get excited, they get on fire, but the problem is they have nowhere to separate themselves from what's drawing them back. That I, I, my heart has been this since we've started this church, that, that we have to have somewhere that we pull them out we help strengthen them, and then from there, we see where God's leading us to do with them. They may be strong enough to go back out. They may, may not be. They may be called to stay in for a while. They may be called to minister. The, I don't know that part of it. The vision there isn't clear. But what I do see is us doing something to help them. Us doing that. Let me tell you, I, I know so many police officers in this area. I can mention individuals' names that's come to church, and they go, oh, just give it some time. They'll be right back to the drugs that even them have given up on them, that, that they've seen it so often. I want it to be where the police officers go, wow, I want to send you here. Yeah. You need to get in this place. It's the only place I've seen so far that you can go in and come out changed. It's not a, a rehabilitation. It's a, a renewing in Christ. It's a transformation in Christ that they're completely new, that they look at the past and they want no part of it. But they need to be strengthened. They need something more. This is why I'm, a lot of you guys know I'm writing a book. I've got to get back and jump into it and get this finished. But it's about new believers. It's, it's called, I've given myself to the Lord. What's next? Now what? Because so often they go, I raised my hand. I came to the altar. I accepted Christ. We're even on the streets. We lead them to God, whatever it might be. But they're going, now what do I do? Now I almost feel more lost than I was because all of a sudden I have all this conviction and I don't know what to do with it. 
sometimes I've said they'll go back and drown themselves in even more of what they were doing because they don't know a direction to go forward. We said, pray this prayer, Jesus loves you, and we let them go. We're fishermen, we're not catching releasers. I always hated catch and release. What's the point of that? I want to catch them and do something with it. And what we need to do is catch people for the Lord, be fishers of men, and do something with them. Build them up, strengthen them, encourage them, get them to a place that they can do more. And it talks about in this book, because it, it was such a blessing to me having the gym next door and individuals come to church over here. Because then I could see them the next week out of the church environment and see what they're going through. I had individuals, they, they, and it was, I felt so bad for some of them because I'd see them, they'd come in the front door and they'd just sit up on the couch and cry. What's wrong? I, since I gave my life to the Lord, I feel like all hell's broken loose. Let me tell you, that's what this book begins to do. It begins to say, look, this is normal. The enemy sees you as a huge threat for the kingdom of God, and he's trying to do whatever he can do to keep you from getting to where God wants you because you've made the greatest decision of your life, and I want to begin to train them and let them understand, hey, we're with you. Let us help you through this. Let me tell you, it gets so much better. It gets so much better. Something greater is happening inside of you. And the enemy knows it, he sees it, and he wants to take you out. Y'all still out there? But my heart so much goes out for the lost. I want to see people accept Christ being truly converted and on fire, keeping them from falling out, keeping them from falling away. I want to do community outreaches beyond these walls, beyond this parking lot. Something more, something that, when we do an outreach here, it's great. But the thing with doing an outreach here is we're waiting for people to come to us. We need to get out and go to people. We need to get out and do more. We need to get out and touch the lost. We need to get out and do what God has called us to do, where individuals can understand what it truly means. Better to give than it is to receive. I want to see outreaches. Listen to this, guys. I want to see outreaches no longer work in communities because we've won them all and they're now all involved. That's what our goal needs to be. We've won them. We can't do anything else in this community because we've won it. We've won it to Christ. That's where we need to be. I'm telling you that you may think, well, that's a huge goal and a huge vision. No, I see things like this happening. I see, I see the church, and this has been since day one. I have seen the church being a place where it's not the pastor going and laying hands on people, but it's fellow brothers and sisters laying hands on each other, where healings are taking place out there where things are having, well, worship is going on, that people are getting healed, people are getting out of wheelchairs. Why? Showing that it was no man, but it was the power of God and all the power of God, that man had nothing to do with it. But where so many things are beginning to happen that it begins to spread like wildfire, that, that people begin to get excited about what God is doing. I want to see the gospel is preached where God wants it to be preached. Then they could come into the house to be built up and equipped. That's what the house was for, was a place of worship, a house of worship that 
We wait to win the lost until they come into the house. I really don't believe that was ever the design for the church. It's great to have altar calls. Don't get me wrong, I love it. That's why I tell you it's the most exciting part of my message is seeing people get touched by what God has spoken to them and give their hearts to the Lord. But, but I don't believe God was waiting for, for us to just come into a house of worship and wait for them to come in. No, he called us to go out and preach the gospel, to go out and do something. As you go, it doesn't say as you wait. It always said as you go. As you go, he does something. He does miracles as we go. I want to see more lives saved on the streets than in a building. We see a lot of individuals saved in this house, but I want to see more out there. I want to see more from everyone out here doing their job, what God has called them to do, us helping to equip that, to build that up, to do something great so you can go out and fulfill what God has called you to do. I said, why is it that the church waits for the world to come to us when Christ wants us to go into all the world? We can still draw people in, but I don't want this to be our only thing. I, I want to, even for outreaches that we draw people in, we, my, my favorite outreaches out there that we do is the, the giveaway. I think we're supposed to, to help the poor, feed the poor, give to the poor, do things. Uh, it's about showing God's love to them. But I want a place that it's set up, that it's there, that when they're in need, they can come. They don't have to go, when's your next giveaway? Oh, two months from now? Oh, it's in a storage container. We can't even get to it. We can't look, never mind. No, I want them, you know, come. Come Sunday to church. Let's get you. I want, I want them to be fed both spiritually and physically. That what Jesus did when he fed the poor, he never just went out and fed the poor. He fed their spirits first. He did something. He touched their hearts. He may have, have used food, but what he used it to do was so that he could feed the inner man that he was worried about. So he, could, he, he performed physical miracles to perform spiritual miracles. He did physical things so people's eyes could be open to see it was real and then begin to work inside of them. That when people see things are happening, that there's power there, all of a sudden they're more apt to, what's going on here? I believe this man. He is of power. He is true. There is something more. There is something great. And they begin to, to listen. They begin to open up. His love is what got us all to open up. His love is what got us to accept him, was his love. And that's what we have to share is his love. I want to be able to, where, where there's time to, to, like I said, receive stuff, we can sort through it. It can be presentable for those in need. I want to give good things to people, not just junk. I want to have, like I said, we need to bless people, not give them our scraps. We need to bless people, not give them our scraps. That You see someone next to you. I'm just going to put an example here. You're, you have this nice dinner before. There's someone that can't afford any food, can't eat. Which means more to someone when you give them that dinner or you wait till you're done and the leftovers that are there that you can't finish that you say, here, you can have. I'm not going to eat it anyhow. That's not showing God's love. That's saying, here, you can have it. You weren't good enough to have all, but you can have the leftovers. You can have this. No, God wants us to do something more. We have to show love. I want internships. 
where people learn the ins and outs, the behind the scenes stuff. I want to tell you, no one should go into ministry like me and my wife did. We went blindfolded. It was so hard. Didn't know what to expect or how to do anything. But thank God for a few men that were in our lives to help us. But, but we, should have had, we should have had so much more equipping behind us, telling us how to do things, how to run, how things could go so much smoother, how to, all these different things. And, and that's my, another part of this vision is I want people to come and say, Pastor, it's been on my heart. I've been called to, to start a church. I've been called to do this. I've been called for this. It's been on my heart since, you know, it's been spoken to me. It's been on my heart since I was whatever. But this is what I feel God calling me to do. I don't want to say, well, well, I guess you're going to go out and have to do it because we're not supporting. You know, I want to say, let's help you. What can we do to fulfill the calling that God has on your life? What can we do to advance you? What can we do to make this go smoother? What can we do to, if God's speaking something to you, there should be individuals that God's speaking to to help you. But the problem is, are they listening? Are they listening? It doesn't mean God's not speaking to you. It may be there's nobody listening. But God wants to do something. I said that this, this new location we have coming in Imperial, guys, it's great. Is it the fulfillment of the vision? No. It's just a minor start of the vision. It's going further to where God has us. God wants us to start with little to see how we'll do. Then he's given us somewhere larger. He will see how we'll do with that. But like I, said, I see larger campuses where people can come to learn. They can come and pray where all ages and all types of people can come and receive from Christ and be built up to what God is calling them to do. Even in, in Bible school, you can say, you know what, I'm called to be a minister, I need to go to Bible school. But even in Bible school, they're, they're teaching you the Bible, not necessarily sending you out, not necessarily building you up to, to your gifting, not necessarily building you up to where God's called you to do. You, so many individuals get, and there's nothing wrong with Bible school. I loved it. It's great. We need to learn. We need to learn more. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I encourage Bible school. But what I'm saying is that there needs to be something more for, for God's people to help launch them, to, to help work together to where you can call, you may pastor one church and somebody else another or your ministry or whatever it is, but you can have fellow believers to go to, to turn to. It feels like in the ministry today that everyone's separate. Oh, this is my ministry. This is my church. This is my this and my that. Why don't we realize it's not ours at all? It's God's. It's not my kingdom. It's his kingdom that we can build something up together to help advance the kingdom of God. I believe if all Christians and all churches would begin to work together, we could do so much more. I love just, and my, one of my visions here at the churches and, and different ones like Craig Stu uh, can tell you too that my vision with these outreaches and different things is to have done things to the community where other churches begin to see how we're reaching out and they grab a hold of it. And have they not? They are, they're beginning to do that around. We're beginning to see more. Even our backpack giveaway, it was an odd thing down here, but now everybody does it. But it's awesome, and 
Sometimes it just takes different ones stepping out to do something for someone else to begin to do it and others to jump on board. And I remember different baby Christians we had in the house when different ones would start doing things that, that we started doing here um, that they'd say, well, I can't believe they're, they're stealing your idea. No, that was the point. <laughs> that was what it was all about. And I've been talking to and we're going to talk more with Tom and Maureen about the outreaches and, and doing stuff more unique, something that, that stands out, something that, that really impacts people, something that, that's creative. And then when other peoples grab a hold of it, that God will give us more and we can begin to do even more. That, that the church becomes more of a, a place that it's, it's getting outside the walls. That, that I want to see God raise us up to a place that others are saying, that's what we need to do. That's where we need to go. That all I want, it may sound horrible, it may sound foolish, it may sound stupid, but if God's calling us to do something, that's all I want to do, is just listen to what he's called for us to do and begin to do it. Jesus spent his life building up and pouring into others. That's what he spent his life doing. I want to see churches, not just Archer, but churches in general on every corner. I want to see, I want church to be like Walgreens, but in the spiritual realm. There's Walgreens, listen, there's Walgreens on every corner. There's some type of pharmacy on every, that was Walgreens' big thing that we want to get on every corner. We want to get on every corner. They, they want to go and put these prescription pills, basically, in everybody on every corner that it's needed so much that people are relying on it to live. I want to see churches on every corner that people need it, and they're relying on God to live. They're relying on something greater and something more. That church is the place to, to go. The church is the place that people are excited to be. That people are excited to say, I went to church today. I remember growing up, I was young. People weren't shocked when they asked you what you did on the weekend and you said, I went to church. Now people were shocked. Or when you ask somebody else, what did you do this weekend? They don't, any mention of church. The sad part is, even those that went to church don't mention they went to church. Oh, I went to, oh yeah, I went to church too, but was that not the highlight of your weekend? Was that not something great that you did? You went to worship the almighty God everywhere. I, I want the churches everywhere where people turn to see Christ. Everywhere they turn, they see him. I want, I want outreach is so great that there's people on every corner showing God's love, showing something great. We shouldn't look on every corner, everywhere. We shouldn't look on every media and seeing the enemy working. We should be turning and seeing God working. I'm telling you, Christianity is large enough in America that if Christians begin to stand up and do what God has called them to do, we would begin to see it everywhere we look. But they don't stand up. They're ashamed of the gospel. They don't speak up in what God's even doing in their life. Maybe because they're not allowing God to do anything. I don't know. But we've got to begin to do something more. I love what John Maxwell said. He said, if your vision doesn't cost you something, it's a daydream. If your vision doesn't cost you something, it's a daydream. It should cost you something. It should cost you taking yourself and applying yourself to the vision. 
doing something greater, doing something more. He also said, vision adds value to everything. Vision adds value to everything. There's no value until the vision's written down. You need to begin to write it down and say, here's the vision. This is the value of why I'm doing this. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, he has a plan for you. Through 14, it goes on, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. I love that. He says, when you go and you call upon me and you pray to me, he goes, I'm going to listen to you. I'm listening to you. He said, and you will seek me. I love it. He says, you'll find me. You'll seek me and you're going to find me. And you, when you search for me with all your heart, it says, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place in which I cause you to be carried away captive. Part of the vision is building people up to be who God has called them to be. He knows the plan that he has for you. He's called you to be something great. He's called you to be something more. Also to help people build up to being fully devoted followers of Christ. Fully devoted followers of Christ. That's part of this vision. I can say this tonight because I know all of you. But fully devoted. Fully devoted doesn't mean going to church when you have time. Fully devoted doesn't mean praying when there's nothing else to do. Fully devoted doesn't mean coming to God in time of need only. Fully devoted doesn't mean giving part of your life to him and hanging on to the rest. Fully devoted means fully devoted. Every part of your life giving it to God. Every part of your life coming before him. Every part of your life saying, God, I know and I understand that you created me. You have a plan for me and you know what's best for me. And I am giving you, we say, God, I give you my life. But we must give him our life. We must devote it to him, give it all to him, that in the midst of whatever we're going through, if God says, lay it down, we'll lay it down, because nothing is more important than following the, the giftings and the promises that God has for us, following the plan that he has for our life. We need to begin to say, God, it's not my plan, it's your plan, and if my plan is going in the wrong direction of your plan, I will lay it down. That it's not about us, it's about him. And when you begin to understand that, and when you're a true converted Christian, you begin to understand that it's not about you, it's about him. It's not about what you can do, it's about what he can do. And you begin to understand that even if you can't do it, all things are possible through him who strengthens us. So even those things that look like we can't do, we now can do. In our weakness, he makes us strong. Something so much more. God knows the plan that he has for you. He will speak it and reveal it to you. It may be parts at a time. I see a church where we pour into people and we build them up. Certain ones being discipled under myself and others at the same time. 
At the same time, I'm always under someone else's discipleship. That we should never think that we're too good or too great or too much of a Christian to not be discipled ourselves. That even as we're discipling others, we must continue to be discipled. I've heard people say, well, I don't go to church. I've, I know all that. You need to get to church, brother. You need to begin to do something. You need to begin to seek God. It's like saying, oh, I read the Bible. I know it all now. Tell you what, every time you read that Bible over and over and over and over and over, I don't care how old you are, how many times you've read it, you get something new and something great every time. That's why it says it's alive. It is alive. It's not a book. I tell you what, I can read a book. I don't like to read it again. Now, there's a few books that were pretty good, but it's hard to read in the first place for me. But for me to have found a book that comes so alive and I find something new in it every time I read it, this has to be alive. This has to be something more, something greater. But even as we're discipling people, we're being discipled, but those that we're discipling and those that we take under our wing, they begin to do the same thing. It should become a domino effect as we're being discipled and we're discipling individuals and they go out and disciple while they're being discipled by us and so forth, that, that it continues to go. It continues to do more. We continue to build up this body of Christ to do something greater for him. Why don't you guys get out your pens? I want you to write this down. I heard this somewhere before. It said, a true vision from God is not self-seeking, but God-pleasing. A true vision from God is not self-seeking, it's God-pleasing. A second thing, a vision needs to be God-sent. A vision needs to be God-sent. You know it's God because it won't be about you and it'll be bigger than you can accomplish. It won't be about you and it'll be bigger than you can accomplish. <laughs> and the last one, I believe your vision should be so great that no one in their right mind would believe you could accomplish it. The truth is, you can't. The truth is, you can't. Only God can. You know, in this very church, guys, I may have the, the big vision, but I want there to be smaller visions to get us to the big vision. The big vision is about having other visions working together to build the kingdom of God. That's what the big vision is. That's what the big vision is, is getting people together to do what God has called them to do. As Devon and Dawn, as we've, we've sent them out, pastors, that their vision is to get out into the streets, to do tent revivals, to do things that God has called them. That was their vision. That's where it is right now. They know the vision's in ministry, and God, as they continue to go forward, God's making it more clear to them. 
And they're out there preaching the gospel. Why? Because that's what God has called them to do. And it's our responsibility to help equip them for that, to help to do stuff, even when it comes to their sound and different stuff and their, and their tents and stuff. We're getting ready to help them with that part of it. Why? Because we need to be here to help equip individuals, to help do things for them, to help launch them, to do something great, to do something more. Ultimately, it's one vision, goal, but many visions to get to the goal. Small visions within the vision. It's kind of like, and I'm going to put it in this aspect. I, I know people hate referring to business and church, but in a business, they have one goal. But then what happens is, is you get other people in there, CEOs, different managers, different things that come in, that they have a vision to help get there. They have their own giftings. They have their own things to help to get to that place to do something more. The, the guy that, that had the big vision, usually what he does is he's got somebody else that, that begins to run with the vision and put their spin on it. Begin to say, this is how we're gonna get to the vision. A lot of times the visioneer isn't the person that knows how to get there. That he needs help from others around him. Needs more. God wants to give you a vision so large that shows what he can do, not what you can do. If the vision's small, it's showing what you can do. Your vision should outdo you. Your vision should be more than you can do. Your vision should be a place where you stop and you go, wow, this isn't possible. Perfect. That's probably the vision God has for you. That's probably what he's calling you to. That's probably something more that he wants you. He doesn't want you to run with the vision going, okay, I can do this. No, that's where it's wrong. You should never say, I can do this. You should look at it, have it written down and say, I can't do this, God. I'm gonna need you in this. God, I have to have you in this if this is the vision that you have for me. If this is where you've called me to, I cannot do this, God. It should almost frighten you it looks so big. But then you go, no, it's not by me, but it's by God. It's something more. It's something he's called us to do. I'm getting ready to close here in a few minutes, guys. I love this. John Maxwell, definition of a vision in three parts. First one was the ability to see, which he called awareness. The second one was the ability to believe, which was your attitude. And the third one was the ability to do, which is action. He said one without the other is dead. Can't have attitude and action without awareness. You can't have the ability to believe and to do without the ability to see. He said, all three of those have to work together or the other is dead. Helen Keller said, what would be worse? I love this. What would be worse than being born blind? To have sight without vision. To have sight without vision. But in closing, guys, within your vision that God's given you, be aware of vision killers. Be aware of vision killers. I had a good pastor friend of mine when I, told him I was starting up the church. He said, you don't want to do that. He goes, I've been in it so long. You don't, you don't want to do that. He goes, believe me, you don't want to do that. We didn't understand it wasn't about what I wanted to do. It was about what God was calling me to do. Believe me, because I didn't want to do that. <laughs> it was about wanting to be obedient to God, wanting to do what he's called me to do. But be aware of vision killers. 
If you aren't on board with the vision, I won't beg you to be. If, you, if you're trying to kill the vision, I'm not going to ask you to stay. I've been called to disciple individuals and allow them to run with their giftings, not fight with people over my vision that God has given me, that he's given us all a vision. Beware of vision killers. What vision killers are is when you write this down, there will be people that says, that's not a vision. That's not from God. That's you just dreaming. That's you just dreaming. No, beware of them. Stay far away from them. Those aren't the ones that you need pouring into your life. You need to get around people in this vision that will encourage you, that will lift you up, and that say, if God is saying this to you, I will stand behind you. If God is leading this, you, leading you to this, I will be on board. I will help you. But I'm asking you today, are you willing to give yourself to the vision, even if no one else is behind you? Are you willing to give yourself to the vision, even if no one else is behind you? God gave Noah a vision. He didn't ask questions. He didn't say, what God has called me to be, build is too big. He didn't say that it, it was impossible for the world to flood. But what he did know was that God, God called him to do something, and he did it. All that he knew was God called him to do it. It looked impossible. It looked too big. But he said, if God's called me to do it, if this is the vision, if this is what God has told me to do, I will do it. He didn't say, how in the world am I going to get all these animals on board? He just knew that if God was calling him into it, that it wasn't by his strength anyhow, it was by God's. The, the vision came from God, and God was the one that would do it. But it was all about his obedience and his actions going forward and listening to what God had called him to do. And he didn't jump, he didn't give up when no one jumped on board. Just because you have a vision given from God doesn't mean everyone will be on board. Doesn't mean everyone will believe in it. Doesn't mean anyone will understand it. And I'm gonna ask you tonight, how many of you, you don't have to answer this, but I'm just asking this, is how many of you is God calling you to do something? That is God calling you to do something more. That you feel there's something inside. Maybe you felt that God has called you to something for so long. I'm telling you, it's time to go for it. It's time to run with the vision. Don't let the vision die. Don't let the vision die. That God has put this vision inside of you for you to run with it. Not for it to go wasted. Not for it to die aside. Not for you to die and leave it behind. But for you to fulfill it within your lifetime. For you to fulfill what God has called you to do. But your vision, <laughs> within this vision, the vision will continue to go on after you die. It shouldn't die with you. It should live with others after you're gone. It should continue to go. Why? Because it should be that big. It should be that great. It should be something so much more. It says in 2 Chronicles 2.5, The house, the vision which I am to build is great. For our God is greater than all gods. In this house, God has called us to build it. He didn't call us to question it, but just to be obedient. He's called us to be obedient to this. Your vision will die, guys, if you don't allow God to be a part of it. The vision will die if you don't allow God to be a part of it. And I'm asking you tonight. I said I did this on a Wednesday night instead of a Sunday. 
This wasn't just for, for new individuals coming to God, but this is for individuals tonight that, that know God. That God's been speaking stuff to them. But I'm asking even in this house to be a part of the vision because the vision includes you. It's not about me, but it's about God. It's about something more. Proverbs 28, 18, I leave you with this. It says, if people can't see, this is in the Message Bible. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are the most blessed. They are the most blessed. Proverbs 29, 18 in the message. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are the most blessed. They are the most blessed. And I'm telling you guys that whatever vision, whatever God has placed in your heart, don't feel you're too old. Don't feel you're too young. Don't feel you missed it. Don't feel you passed it up. But I want you to write it down. I want you to begin to say, God, you gave me this for a reason. God, you, you, you put this in my heart for a purpose, God. I'm running with it. I'm doing whatever you've called me to do. And it's not, and what, don't get mistaken. Some of you, the vision may be to, to be in full-time ministry. It may be to have a church, but that's not what the vision is all about. The vision is just about what God is calling you to do. It may be to help disciple others. It may be to help win the lost. It may be to be an encourager. It may be to, to the, the vision could be, you may see yourself putting together something where, where you go to hospitals and you just give food to those in need, where you encourage people, where you have a room set aside for, for, for prayer for those that want to be healed. It makes me sick going to a hospital and, and these people come in to pray for you and it's this rehearsed prayer that they say and they say, eh, it has no power behind it. Who cares about the prayer? It's about power. I want to see individuals get into hospitals where there's power. And then it should get so strong that the hospitals are like, no, you're losing us business. Well, where individuals are on their deathbed and they have hope. They have hope, why? Because power just entered the room. Because they've, they've heard of a God that does something. They've heard of a God that's revealing himself to them. They've heard of this God with power. They go, okay, doctor, you can't heal me, but there's still hope. There's still hope. I know somewhere where there's power. I know a place that I can be healed. I know a place that, that even if, I'll tell you what, above all else, that they find Christ they find Christ. They find what it's all about, that even if it's on their last breath, that I believe God, God, God wants to save people from hell. That even if it's their last breath and God has called you and sent you to go speak to them, that they can call out to him in time of trouble and they'll be saved. That God wants to use us. He has a purpose, I promise you, each and every one of you here, if you're watching, to be listening, whatever, that he has a plan and a purpose for you. And I encourage you to write it down. If you have to write it down, stick it on your mirror in the morning. So every time you look at it, you see it. And you go, this is what I'm living to do. I'm living to fulfill the vision that God has placed inside of me. I'm living to do something greater. Because too often we wake up every day feeling like we're living to make a living. 
we go to work, we do this thing, we, we come home, we get a paycheck, we pay our bills, we support our family, we do all these things, we go back and we do it over and over and over again. And so often we forget the big picture. We forget the vision that God has given us. We forget there's something more that we live for. We're not living to pay our bills. We're living to save lives. We're living to disciple individuals, to go into all the world and spread the gospel. That's why we're living. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the vision of this house, Lord. And we thank you for the vision of each and every individual in this house, God. God, I ask you, Lord, you begin to, to reveal the vision to them, Lord. Begin to reveal it to them more and more, God. And as they continue to, to pursue it, Lord, give them direction, lead them, guide them, Father. Do something great inside of them, Lord. Something more, Father. I ask you that you touch them, Lord. Maybe they're here tonight, Father, and they say, I don't even know what the vision is. Father, begin to speak to them, Lord. Give them dreams. Give them visions, God. Show them the plan that you have for them, Lord. A lot of times what we don't even realize is just, it's something that God has placed inside of us. Something that we've always felt like we need to do. Don't ever think that what God has called you to do isn't as good as what he's called somebody else to do. There's so many different parts. There's seeds that need to be planted before others can go out and help reap the harvest. There's seeds that need to be planted. God has given us all different visions and giftings and callings for a purpose. Not one better or worse than another. Thank you for that today, Lord. We thank you for speaking to individuals, God. For encouraging them tonight to go forward with what you've called them to do, God. We love you and praise you in Jesus Christ's name. And everyone said, Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap tonight. Hallelujah.